everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fit Click. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. In a regular episode, which this one is, the three of us each individually bring a fic to talk about, and in this episode, Nick is up first, so Nick, tell us what you brought. The fic that I brought for this episode is You're Wrong About Misericord by AO3 user Idano Hana, I think. Uh, this is a genfic for the fandom You're Wrong About Podcast RPF? Sort of. Um, it's certainly You're Wrong About Podcasts. We'll talk about the RPF of it all when we get to that discussion, but I'm very excited to talk about it. It's a real fun one. Brenna, what are you bringing for this episode? Yeah, I'm bringing The Age of Aquarius by Speranza, a much-loved author on this pod. Um, this is a fic for the TV show The West Wing, and our relationship is Josh and Donna. Uh, Reed, what's yours? My fic is A Coin Over Each Eye by Sorry Mom. It is for the hit K-pop girl group Twice. The pairing is Momo Sana, and I would also argue Sana Nyon, even though it isn't tagged for that. Before we get into our fic discussions, though, um, we typically do some some kind of intro here on the pod. Often we do a silly little game, uh, and this time we are doing something uh, that listeners may be familiar with. We've done it a couple times now. I think, did we call it Fic Roulette last time? We don't really have a good name for it. Hmm. I don't know. Did we call it that? I feel like we've said that, uh, but I don't know if it was about this or something else. That was our and that sh- previous, <laughs> was that not our like previous anniversary something or other when we oh, pulled oh, random Fic yeah. Roulette? It's like Fic Relay or something, but we haven't actually... <laughs> I don't know, dude. Okay, clearly we do not have a good name for whatever this is, so if you have thoughts, please chime in. Um, But the way that this works is that the three of us will all pull up a new work page on AO3 and go through each category one by one, rapid fire, just improv, um, to construct a fic or rather a fic concept for you on the spot. And the results have always been good Mm -hmm. and never cursed. We don't do cursed things over here, Reed. No, never. This is a curse-free podcast. <laughs> Until a witch comes on as a guest and curses us all. No, God, I work what? very hard to keep this curse free <laughs> with all my protective spells and sigils. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. You're so right. Thanks. All right, Nick, do you want to kick us off yeah, for I this will... round of fic relay something oh, we got it we got to come up with a better rapid name. fire fic creation game flexanon fic writers <laughs> it's a little long <laughs> rifk <laughs> rifk i'm just really gonna start the tongue, that one mm-hmm. yeah i think starting mm-hmm. is a good idea okay so i'll start with reading i think this is going to be a teen and up audiences fic okay i love that um, I'm gonna go with no archive warnings apply. I feel like there's only really like a couple of these for me to choose from each time anyway, because like I'm not gonna pick certain archive warnings for our fun little game here. So <laughs> yeah. maybe you could make up your own next time. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, okay. So for fandoms, um, we have Star Wars. Okay. Fast and Furious franchise. Uh huh. And. Um, Song of Achilles, which I have not read. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. 
lovely. Okay, so the categories for that. Oh my. Um, I mean, we probably should do M slash M. Uh, we can include uh, some some gen content as well. We can have both, and then maybe a multi ship just for kicks. Yeah, I love that. Okay, for relationships. Um, have we lost Reed? Oh, we haven't lost Reed, but maybe something else has found Reed. Great. It sounds like someone is sawing something with an electric saw and also <laughs> hammering things. So oh, that's no. fun. Oh no. Okay. Anyway, just keep, we'll just keep going. That's not the only thing getting hammered in this fit creation. Oh wait, no, it's a related tea. Christ Sorry. almighty. As I <laughs> as I prepare to launch into ships. Um <sighs> All right. So for relationships, I think for the Star Wars, I'm going to go sequel verse and we're going to do a little Finn Poe Ray action as like a little poly ship moment. Um and then I think we're going to go for like a crossover ship yeah we have I to don't know anything about song of achilles but i'm gonna go with achilles yeah. slash dominic toretto <laughs> that's probably bad uh-huh <laughs> um, and then i mean jen can just be friendship maybe jen is like okay maybe there can be like a friendship between like patroclus and like letty and then also like bb8 <laughs> totally <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think characters, in addition to um, our ships, um, given that Bretta and I recently watched Fast and Furious Nine, we've gotta have we've gotta have Helen Mirren's character um, in F Nine. I don't know her name, but Helen Mirren, um, her character. Uh, I guess also Helen of Troy. I don't know. Once again, mm-hmm. I've not read Song of Achilles, she's so I don't there. know if she's in it. No, oh, she great. Is, okay. Sorry. Well, uh, well, that actually makes sense because that's the war they're fighting. So, yes. yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to throw uh, Roman and Tej in there as well because I think they're quite fun. And let's see, from the Star Wars sequel trilogy, how about, um, I mean, let's let's get like Han and Leia and... And uh, and uh, we can get Space Loradern in there as well. No Kylo uh, Unfortunately... Red. Absolutely not. Oh. And also, unfortunately, like, because my brain likes to pair, like, Laura Dern with Duke because they're on the ceiling together mm-hmm. having their tea party. But Duke does not get to be in this one. He's not in... The, I didn't say Duke is a fandom Brenna. Don't pout at me. <laughs> I'm not going to... He's my back. friend. Okay, but he's not... He can be in the next fic. He's not in this okay, one. Okay, okay, that's fair. I'm going to do additional tags. <laughs> yep. Okay, I'm going to say slow burn. I'm going to say strangers to lovers. I'm going to say canons compliant. Uh, we're going to try and make them all work. Because Star Wars was a long time ago. Uh, and so was Song of Achilles. So I mm-hmm. guess canons compliant to two canons. And then for Fast and Furious, we're going to need like... Um, oh, what would the tag be? Like historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they don't, it's they are on horses. <laughs> I'm just thinking some thoughts. Okay, we have some ideas there. Um, I feel like we have to get in, like, bed sharing. I'm going to include fashion design. I'm also going to include clothes sharing, since there is fashion design, obviously, with the slow burn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say pining. Uh, I'm going to say meet cute and meet ugly, depending on the ship and the characters. Um, and then I think my final tag is going to be um, 
Actually, it's a set of three tags. They say ambiguous slash open ending and then just kidding and then happy ending. <laughs> I'm going to say in my heart that the meet cute is Finn Ray Poe and the meet ugly is Patroclus Dominic Toretto. <laughs> no, it's that... Achilles Dominic Toretto. Oh, sorry, Don't sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's Achilles Dominic Toretto and Patroclus Letty and BB-8 friendship, of course. I think it should be the other way around and Achilles and Dom should have a meet cute and like the canon <laughs> Star Wars characters now have like a meet ugly. <laughs> <sighs> Um, okay, work title. Mm -hmm. That should be easy. The Song of the Furious. Oh, <laughs> colon oh. F10. <laughs> oh. oh, wow, I guess, yeah. Oh, and F10 is perfect because you think F10 stands for Fast and Furious 10, but it's not because Furious is part of the title. The 10 is actually the next Star Wars movie. As yeah, F10 yeah. is a little robot in Star Wars. It's an OC <laughs> droid okay okay <laughs> it can be all three actually it oh, serves a lot of purposes nice that's pretty good okay <clears throat> the summary <laughs> i hate being the summary person okay the summary goes as follows quote settle down blaze unquote dom said gently patting the muscle of his horse uh-huh <laughs> He had recently accidentally kicked the horse of a very beautiful-looking stranger who had fallen to his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Little did Dom know. It would start the Trojan War. Oh no, it's Blaze no. the Trojan Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Rita, I encroached on your summary. No, this is great. <clears throat> Little did Dom know that his horse was about to be the front for something so much worse. But in the midst of a horrible war, mm -hmm. there would be friendship. Mm. There would be... Did we say... There's no major character death. No. There would be friendship. There would be trials. And there would be a beloved little droid following them around. <laughs> That's it. That's the summary. That was really nice. I, I just really love good. how, like, ostensibly, this is all set mostly, like, like, within Song of Achilles yeah. canon. <laughs> what a crossover. Well, um, okay. Notes. These are the beginning notes. Hey, everyone. Uh, it's me, back with another fic. Um, the author that you know and love. Thanks so much for subscribing. Heart, heart. Uh, if you're not already subscribed, you can go to the top of this page and hit subscribe or subscribe to user, and you can see all my fics as they come out. Uh, this one I've been really excited about for a long time. Uh, everyone in my uh, friend group, my writing group, uh, shout out to the crossover queens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is for our yearly challenge that we do where we try to cross over things. Um, I have it finished, so I'm going to post weekly. Please don't fact check me that much. I tried really hard to figure out how uh, the people of ancient Greece would realistically react to seeing a spaceship, but there wasn't a lot of literature out there, uh, so I did my best to make it up. Hope you enjoy the ride. Also, thanks so much to my beta, XX Starry Words, XX Sparkle, XX, for looking this over for me. Enjoy the chapter. Okay, so the end notes say, Hi everyone, thanks for sticking with me on this wild ride. Um, bet you didn't see that twist coming, winky emoji. Um, I'm so sorry to everyone who commented that I got the information about car engines wrong in chapter 4. I don't know how they work. 
And also, it was hard to blend the combination of technology between ancient Greece, modern-day America, and also Star Wars. So thanks, thanks for sticking with me. Um, I have many more works in my brain that you might see here soon. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, you can go up to the top to subscribe to make sure that you don't miss anything upcoming. Our fic author sounds like a robot a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks for reading, XOXO. Us. <laughs> uh, us. <laughs> I don't know what our I don't know what our profile is it fit click? I don't know what we're posting. I don't at. know. I like the first person all the way up until the very end though. <laughs> okay. Like I did this XO us. <laughs> it's kind of ominous. That's also a twist, but you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> How about a fic that is rated for teens? The creator chose not to use archive warnings, is Jen, and is for the fandom You're Wrong About Podcast, RPF. Let's check it out! So my fic for this episode is You're Wrong About Misericord by AO3 user Idan Ohana. It is for the fandom You're Wrong About Podcast, RPF. Um, I said the RPF was a little bit wobbly um, in the introduction. Like, it is, right? It's it's you're writing the two hosts of You're Wrong About saying things. But it very much is almost like what a speculative script is to a fictional television show. This is kind of a, a pitch of what an episode would look like if it were about a movie that never existed ever. Uh, in the, I'm going to say this up top. Um, because all three of us did look this up at one point during reading, because the author is just very skilled, I think, at convincing people of things. Uh, the movie Misericord is the topic of this fic and also of this fictional podcast episode. Um, the podcast episode talks about how it is a piece of lost media and how there are various conspiracy theories about it and related to it. Um, and it also goes into the lives of many of the actors and producers and writers and such who worked on it. Um, this it doesn't exist. It never existed. Some of these people are real and some of them are not. Misericord is nothing. It is, well, it's in this author's imagination. Um, but it is not a film that was ever made. So just if that helps ease some confusion, if you're thinking about going and reading it, I would totally recommend it. I think it's a really fun and interesting work. Uh, but I know all of us probably had a moment of like, huh? <laughs> Is this anything? Um, early on into reading. Content warning wise, it's very interesting. Um, I'm trying to figure out how best to frame it because this very much does. This fic talks quite a lot about conspiracy theories, horror movies. It's a little bit creepy. Uh, it does discuss in a very factual and quasi-entertaining way, like the deaths of these figures that are discussed. There is arson, I think, and like a car crash. So there are mentions of things. Nothing is particularly graphic, but there is an intention of it being um, a little bit creepy and unsettling as they're discussing it like, as a conspiracy theory. I don't know, co-host, do we think that kind of covers it? I think so. Cool. Just checking. I didn't miss anything obvious. <laughs> uh, this fic was written for Yuletide 2020. Uh, it's about 8,000 words long, and like I said, the entire thing is in the format of a script. So it very much echoes the voices of the two hosts of the actual podcast you're wrong about, um, and it follows the format of how an episode might look and the general cadence and rhythm of it. I wanted to bring it for several reasons, one of them being that we do a podcast, uh, and it's very interesting to consider a fictional take on the various 
like quirks of podcast making, particularly when you are doing a podcast that talks about a piece of fiction or a fictional material, as we do. So I thought there were some really fun, interesting, like parallel elements and also meta elements that I totally want to talk about. And also, I just think it's good. So I am excited to discuss it. It's different from stuff that we've done before, which we always love. So before I go too much more into my own thoughts, co-hosts, what did you think of my week? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, you had recommended to us to listen to some episodes of You're Wrong About, um, if we had not previously, and I had not. And I think that was um, very helpful because, uh, yeah, this this fic like really does such a good job of mirroring the sort of like back and forth of the hosts. Um, and just it helped give me like a, a frame of reference for like how this fic works. Um, and also it was just an enjoyable podcast to listen to the couple of episodes that I uh, that I did. I was going to say take a look at that uh, the couple of episodes that I listened to. Um, it was a weird reading experience, but not in a bad way. Like the meta of reading a fic about podcast hosts, knowing that I'm reading it for the purpose of talking about it on my podcast and then thinking about <laughs> like how this author must have listened to so many hours of You're Wrong About to be able to like mimic their like tone of uh, speech and stuff like it was kind of blowing my mind a little bit and I was having a lot of fun with it. Um, it felt very much like like this felt like a platform for you know when people have like in this essay I will but then it's just like one tweet and they don't actually go into the essay this feels like if someone gave themselves the liberty to like go really in depth into something they're really passionate about like you could tell that this author like really has a lot of feelings about like the film industry and like the history of it and like the sexism etc and also was like what if I just throw in my own fake horror movie for funsies too like I'm really impressed with the amount of like work that they did and the fact that it like I couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't mixing like fake actors with real actors and real people with fake facts about them like it just manages to make the whole thing feel really believable and full and yeah it was a really interesting reading experience I enjoyed it yeah I also thought this was really fun um I kind of failed on the like listening to the pod part of it. <laughs> I have listened to your wrong about before, but it's been quite a while. So I was going to listen to an episode to kind of refresh. And then that just didn't happen for me, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I am I am somewhat familiar with with the format of of it. Um, and I also think like this fic, even if you're not, I think it like mimics it well enough that you kind of just feel like you are reading like a transcript of a podcast episode of it. Um, I don't think you like, I, I definitely think you could easily enjoy this having never listened to the pod and just knowing that this is like based on a podcast. And if you kind of have an understanding of like what that podcast seeks to do, I think you'll be fine not having listened to like much of it. If you're just interested in reading the fic. Um, this was a really interesting reading experience for me because of the way that it kind of blurs reality and fiction in this um and a lot of that is super intentional I mean there's like the meta aspect of it like Reed mentioned where you know this is kind of like a almost like a spec script for this podcast and then we're reading it as fan fiction and then discussing it on our podcast like there's kind of that part that like for me blurs like the lines between stuff but there's also just the aspect that's more intentional by the authors where like they've made up this fake movie that, like, in this, like, fic is also kind of debated as to, like, how real or not real invented 
not invented it is and then they like add to that also by incorporating this mix of like references to real actors and real movies and also fake actors and fake made up like old hollywood stuff and even like real actors but fake stories about them or like a real movie but the person that they reference being in the movie isn't an actor who was ever in the movie so there's kind of all of this blurring of reality that's done on so many levels of this fic that I found really really interesting and the more I kind of sat with it after reading it like the more that was just kind of turning around in my head and I think it like I don't know that I would have listened to this episode had it really existed. I don't really like horror movies, and I'm not someone who goes and, like, reads about them. Like, with, like, Reed, I know you've said that you, like, will read, a, like, a wiki summary of a horror movie. Just, like, right? ready to call me out. Yeah. I haven't done that in a while, <laughs> but I did. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, when a, when a horror movie gets, like, really popular and whatever, and, like, a lot of people are talking about it, it's like, oh, I want to know what's going on. But I in no way want to watch it. So then yeah, I'll read the wiki summary. which is summary. a relatable instinct i just kind of avoid most things horror um so like this is probably never an episode i would have like clicked on if it existed in the real world which is also kind of an interesting experience um but i feel like there was this like feeling for me of reading it as of kind of like anticipation and a little bit of like anxiety or dread it's not like a creepy fic But I just didn't know where they were going with it in some ways. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be about this movie. I didn't know how far the author who was writing this fic was going to push it because none of this is real, you know? We're kind of learning about this made-up thing. So I didn't know what direction it was going to take. And the thing you're learning about is supposed to be kind of creepy. So I don't know. I think the way that they kind of blended reality and fiction to create this question about this movie that kind of blends reality and fiction, I thought was just like really, really well done in this. Absolutely. Um, To give the ficlets a bit of a sense of what this fic kind of reads like, can I get a volunteer from the crowd? Oh, sure. (laughs) Oh, okay. Thanks. I wasn't sure which one of you it would be. (laughs) Well, Reed spoke up first, so it's going to be Reed. Um, Reed, you're going to play Michael. Okay. And I'm going to read, we're going to read from the first line down to when Sarah says, which is okay. Okay, great. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm playing Sarah, the other host of You're Wrong About. This is the first five lines or so of the fic. Starts with, it's like a tangled Ouroboros made of 35 millimeter film and conspiracy theories. Welcome to You're Wrong About, the podcast that dissects urban legends and movies and urban legends about movies. That was a surprisingly appropriate tagline. I was trying to be understated since I know so little about the subject of today's episode. Almost anything I said beyond that was probably going to be wrong. Which is okay. It's okay to be wrong. So that's the vibe, right? We're, we're entering an episode, and this is very much the way that these episodes work. It's typically one of the hosts knows quite a lot about a subject, and the other one has more of what you would consider either a layman's understanding, like a typical person's understanding, or virtually none. Um, and so it's a process of explaining something to the other person, but also to the greater audience as a whole, um, typically about something that they might have been wrong about, hence the name of the show. So that's the vibe. Uh, it's, it's very snappy. It goes very back and forth dialogue wise. There are a lot of little quips here and there as they respond and react to each other. But one thing I liked so much is that a lot of these lines are fairly short. The longer ones are when we come down and we see Sarah going on slightly longer monologues explaining things about the movie. Um, It actually takes them quite a few lines at the beginning to get to 
oh yeah also misericord was um theoretically in this fic definitively lost to time in some way that it all the copies were destroyed and we can't find out anything else about it at first they're just kind of bantering about uh, cia psyops and misremembering things and where you could find this movie apparently it's nowhere in the present day so yeah i just wanted to give a sense of what this fic sounds like because i feel like it has a sound even though it's just on paper on my screen on my laptop actually <laughs> you didn't print it out sheet by sheet to go through and mark it up no you could i'm just thinking about um the time that brenna and i hosted an informal little fic click discussion with a friend of ours who did print out the entire fic to hand write like notes and highlight and stuff um, i do love that yeah i wish Couldn't i had me. that level of energy like every week <laughs> <laughs> be a lot of paper to go through style. i also don't own a printer like where am i printing yeah. this? yeah that's <laughs> me at fedex for like an hour printing out like a 50k fic <laughs> catch me in my local library <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah, no, Nick, I, I absolutely agree that, like, this this fic has a very vivid sound, even though it is just written. Um, I was thinking about, I kind of touched on this a little bit, but I was thinking about how, like, how much someone or, like, this author must have listened to this pod in order to be able to mimic it well. Because I think part of the reason that this fic was so enjoyable to read is that even with my super limited, like, I only listened to two episodes, like, even with just that, or if I hadn't listened at all, like, you can tell it is a very faithful, like, adaptation of of a podcast or, like, what a podcast script would look like. Um, and it, weirdly, it had me thinking about, um, if anyone out there has listened to Serial and has maybe watched the SNL skit um, about Chris Kringle, um, which I found very funny. Um, Obsessed with this deep cut. Maybe it's just deep to me. I really don't know this at all. Um, I I feel like it's, yeah, maybe it's not a deep cut if if you've listened to Serial, but also, like, I listened to that four years ago, maybe more. Um, I don't know. But the point being is that SNL did this skit that was, like, in the style of Serial, but it was about um, Serial, S-E-R-I-A-L, in case you are unfamiliar with the <laughs> podcast. Um, it was about, like, Santa Claus, but it was treated with the same level of, like, a case investigation that, like, Serial is. And part of the reason that it was so funny is because it so correctly mimicked the tone of the podcast. Like, it wasn't just, like, making fun of it or something. It was, like, for people who are fans of this thing and know it really well, you're going to really enjoy this because it feels, although it's kind of absurd, also, like, a faithful adaptation. And I feel kind of like that's what this fic is, although, like, less absurd because it's not trying to treat santa claus seriously as like a case investigation um but it, i don't know i was it's like, gonna say but santa claus is real that's not what i was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> well maybe but santa claus is like a a thing that we know about yeah santa claus the myth is real Misericord, yeah the i've fake met him he's not. my friend <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so nice yeah oh. um but yeah i don't know i think like it's very fun when a piece of media like really accurately and faithfully and like kind of like lovingly I think mimics the thing that it is based off of and that is really the vibe that I get from this fic. Absolutely. I think like with both of those things I also found myself reading this kind of slowly compared to like how fast I'd normally read this word count and part of that is because you kind of have to pay attention like each there's no filler in a mm written in this format but also because I feel like I was kind of reading it more at the pace that like someone would be talking I mean sped up talking but 
I didn't find myself like, jumping around speed in your podcast app. <laughs> I was literally just gonna say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like, yeah, I read in my brain faster than like I usually even listen to audiobooks, even though I do speed them up and like I speed up podcasts sometimes. But um, I just found myself really taking my time with it. And like even towards the end when I was like really eager to know what how it was happening, like and like how it was going to play out and like what Sarah was going to reveal to us about what she'd figured out about this movie. I, it was like I couldn't fast forward or like jump ahead. I was I was right there in the script with them just waiting, <laughs> um, which was also like a fun experience and definitely also heightened my experience of like a little bit of like the anxiety induced by this fic, which like, again, is not it's not like an anxiety inducing fic, but like they're un- unraveling this mystery about this horror movie. And so we're kind of learning about two things like the conspiracy theories about the horror movie, including, like, why it was made, like, people's theories about that, people's theories about there being a curse on it, and, like, the actors and people who worked on it, and then also trying to figure out, like, what was the actual content of this movie, since it's seemingly been lost to time. I feel like a a copy has to exist out there, because they were showing on late night TV, there must be someone somewhere, but not to digress. Um, So we're trying to kind of learn both of those things simultaneously, and we've like we kind of go through the how the movie came to be and like what we do know factually about how it was made and like the actors and all of that first and like some bad things happened to some of the people who worked on it you know which does heighten your feeling of like what is going on with this thing and then we get into like how little is known about it and I kept waiting just to see like how far is this gonna push it and we only get to like quote unquote see like one 12 second clip or something of the movie because that's like all that exists out there but it was like a little creepy I gotta say like I I don't know I I didn't know where it was gonna go with some of that and I I really appreciated it I thought it was like a very fun and different reading experience for me yeah one of my favorite things is that as we go um first you can tell that the author I mean likely I'm not gonna totally guarantee this Uh, likely is something of a film buff film fan film history fan like i think that it would be technically possible to like put in a lot of research about the way films are made and like the way people talk about film and things but i just don't think you would be able to write something this tight and this comprehensive and this interesting about the making of a fake movie without like knowing a lot about this topic already like as someone who we know is not a film buff in the slightest i don't think i would know where to start like what to look up what am i researching what kind of a narrative am i trying to craft like this author clearly has a foundation and that is really wonderful I also wanted to touch on the clip Brenna mentioned. I came down and found it in the fic um, because I wanted to remember it. So what we know is uh, about this movie that people seem to remember and Sarah describes reading people's like posts and reviews and such talking about their memories of it or like critical reviews and things is that there's these two families living in different eras who appear to be occupying the same house. And at first, you're not sure, like, which is the real family, if one of them is a ghost family or, like, a projection of the future. And they start to be able to, like, move things around each other. So when one family is using maybe the kitchen and they move a pitcher, the pitcher might be in a different spot for the next family the next morning. Um, And I loved the, like, discussion of interpretations. The clip that they described doesn't really... um, tie in with like what you might expect from the plot it's interesting so it says here let me try to describe that clip we see a boy lying on his stomach in a field of grass he's propped up on his elbows with his feet up 
It's a very idyllic pose, very Norman Rockwell sunlit pastoral. He's wearing blue jeans and a white shirt and sneakers. We can't see his face, but I guess it could be little Ethan Hawke, who is name-dropped here and who is in Misericord, I guess. Um, as we all know, Ethan Hawke's most prominent role was his role in Hamlet, I believe either 1999 or 2000, mm -hmm. uh, where during Act 5, Scene 2, that confrontation while fencing, he does um, <laughs> get shot when Laertes pulls out a gun. I digress. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It continues to say, I was expecting some kind of jump scare or for him to turn around and face and his face would be monstrous, but he just lies there, moving his feet back and forth a bit. And then this is really hard to describe, especially because I'm not sure if it was always there and it took me a moment to notice. It was a really subtle cut. Da 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 da. Um, and then Mike continues, his shirt isn't. It's his skin. It's baggy and tattered. It's like he's wearing a skin suit, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Ficklets, that's most of it. It's pretty upsetting. Mike at the end says, I'm not sure I'm doing a good job of explaining how utterly horrifying this was. <laughs> um, and Sarah says, most people who saw the movie don't remember this scene. So like Brenna said, there is this mounting dread, and that feels like the primary moment of culmination of that dread, of like, finally we get to see something, and what we see is horrible. Um, even though, again, most people don't seem to remember this clip, and was it actually part of the movie, or was it not? Was it anything? Are people's eyes betraying them? Are they seeing something more horrible than was actually there because of all of the, like, aura and, like, the, the context of this movie and the theoretical curse? We don't actually know. Uh, so I really liked that it built intention to that, and I also appreciated that it wasn't, like, too graphically horrifically like gory or anything like that's still extremely upsetting um but like brenna i was like i don't know how far this is gonna go and there were definitely places it could have gone that would have made me very upset so um i thought that felt like a satisfying apex i guess of the dramatic tension for me something else that i like really appreciated about the the lore building of this fake movie is that um like part of its intrigue and its status as like an urban legend is because like there's like no extant copies of the film um it was like really weird and then like weird things and like tragic things started happening to people who worked in the film but the other half of it is that people thought it was like a cia like psyop of like mm -hmm. subliminal messaging for like all sorts of things um which my side note is when the fix started i was like subliminal messaging is not real i technically do did a uh, major in psychology in college and like I distinctly remember taking a class where like part of the course was about subliminal messaging and how it was fake and I really appreciated that at the end they were like it's fake science I was like yes thank you but <laughs> what I'm actually what if it's real read should be tested it's in not it's fake, it's fake science I'm gonna test it on in, you and you're not even gonna know <laughs> in that class we had to do a group project and the people I was with were like we should do ours on subliminal messaging and I was like we just had a whole unit about how it's fake and whatever and then I just gave up and I decided to take the L on that group project because I didn't feel like arguing that it was a oh, bad right. anyway it just seems like it would be fun after you finish editing this, I'm going to go back and add subliminal messages and then re-upload yeah. it onto Okay, great. The feed. Anyway. I'm going to do that thing where like a song played backwards says something yeah. else, but it's going to be our podcast episode. Hey. I'm in agony. I am in yeah, agony. Say, yeah, backwards. Okay, great. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the point of me bringing this up is that um, I really like loved how Sarah in this fic sort of built the narrative of not just like the mounting dread around like 
this movie, but also about like how certain like wires got crossed in the cultural consciousness to then make it also part of this like conspiracy theory that it's like a CIA psyop, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like it hit really well for me because one of the two episodes that I listened to was the case of Kenny Genovese, which um, if you've taken a psych class or even if you hadn't, you might have heard like she's sort of the reference point for like uh, bystander intervention and like how like, oh, if there's something bad happening and lots of people are witnessing it, more people are likely to do nothing because you think someone else will. That is sort of what people think of her as. And that is like so not the case of what happened. But in that episode, like Sarah had sort of detailed how this one event then got crossed with a bunch of other things and then became like a psychology lesson, basically. And so I feel like this fic really resonated because I was like, oh, yeah, I just saw her or I just listened to her do something so similar. And this fic tied that together and like nailed that point in like such a satisfying way. I don't know. I think this really just keeps coming back to like I appreciated how much um, this author did like a phenomenal job of uh, mimicking its source material. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but. Wow, Reed, you've given me a great transition into talking about pastiche. Um, it's time. We're back in oh Nick's God. pastiche corner. <laughs> the, the thing Reed and I don't really understand. Uh, yeah. Um... Nick very patiently trying to explain pastiche to us for like the fourth time on our Zoom call last night. And Brett and me I being, asking like... questions that like Nick obviously thinks are really stupid, but they are genuine. <laughs> hey. I don't understand. <laughs> no, I did my best to answer them and to mm-hmm, explain. You did. Um, the issue is that it's deceptively simple as a concept, but then it only applies in certain ways, so it becomes confusing in that way. Um, Ficklet's pastiche at its most simple is a piece of work, traditionally a written work, uh, that is meant to mimic and also evoke the sort of feelings and genre of a previous work within the same mode i've made it complicated uh the (laughs) example that is typically quite easy to give is like okay so shakespeare wrote a lot of plays if somebody wrote a history play in the style of william shakespeare then that would probably be a pastiche of shakespeare as long as they were doing it on purpose um you can make arguments in other ways but traditionally yeah it's like oh i'm gonna write a pastiche it's a common creative writing exercise as well You read a book or you read a short story and then you write a pastiche trying to match style as much as possible. Um, You could say like the most successful pastiche is one that is almost indistinguishable from a piece of writing from the original author. So there there is a pastiche overview. And I would very much consider this to be a pastiche of like a transcript of you're hung about. It's a little bit of a non-traditional way to look at it because uh, podcast is obviously not originally written most of the time uh, when you're looking at like a, a talk podcast though obviously you're wrong about is a little bit more scripted than something like fit click <laughs> maybe he would be um reed has notes brenna sometimes has notes i certainly don't uh, so it varies but i was thinking about this in the context of the goal of this episode, which is not necessarily to fool people, but it is very much to write a believable you're wrong about episode that doesn't clash with the tone, with the mood, with the style of the original work. And that's so hard to do. Um, One interesting thing, Ficklets, if you have not listened to the Halloween horror special from this last year, I'm going to put some spoiler horns here. If you haven't listened to it and you want to, uh, I do think going in knowing nothing is the best way to do it. So you're welcome to go do that at some point if you'd like. Skip the rest of me talking here or just listen, whatever. Um, 
But as I was writing it, 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 it starts out as a thick click episode very normally. But when we do our intro and when we do our like little chatting between bits, none of that is scripted, especially if we're like, oh, like, hold on, my audacity is being weird or something like that's not none of that is planned. And so I had to go in when I was writing the horror special script and like script things that we say regularly that we never write down or like it it was very odd um and going further and further in like the horror special is definitively not a pastiche of anything <laughs> it's pretty whack uh and it certainly uh blazes its own trail you could say but i was thinking so much about the way that writing rpf of a podcast particularly your own podcast but i guess in any case is really tricky because the what you have to work with is not necessarily a written work of somebody who is writing it on purpose to be a certain way. What you have to work with is a transcript of something they said off the cuff or like your own internal perceptions of yourself, which let me tell you are not always particularly objective. Um, <laughs> also, your perceptions of two of your closest friends who you spend significantly more time talking to off mic than you do on mic, having to try and distill them down to a podcast personality, extremely confusing. Broke my own brain a little bit doing that. Um, Reading the script broke my brain a little bit. Complicated stuff. Uh, so I just want to particularly, first, like, kudos the author. And second, I was just considering how it might be actually easier. It probably would be easier to write something like this when you're not inside of it. I would probably have an easier time writing You're Wrong About or, like, whatever other podcast RPF than I did writing Fit Click RPF, which is fascinating because theoretically it should be the easiest um, but I hope that I have laid out some <laughs> compelling arguments as to why it absolutely was not. Um, it was very difficult, and it made me have so much respect for this fic writing such a believable script from top to bottom, including these elements of a movie that never existed, a production process that never happened, and people who may or may not have participated in projects that may or may not have existed in the ways that this fic outlined them to be. Something I think is kind of interesting, Nick, is as you were talking about it, is you kept saying like that this fic is you're wrong about RPF, which I guess it technically is, right? Like mm. you're writing about two people and you're quite literally like putting words in their mouth, but like and they're real. <laughs> but I like wouldn't I don't know, would I consider this RPF? I again, I guess technically, but I feel it's like no so Obama. <laughs> right. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's and that's all I have to say actually. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> no, um I don't know. I feel like there are perceptions of like what RPF is and isn't, especially when you get on the sides of the internet where people have very strong feelings about like the morality of it, etc. And Nick, I think you said this in our pre-discussion maybe. Like if you found someone off the street who was like, RPF is horrible and, like, should be illegal, like, blah 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 and you gave them this, like, they probably wouldn't really have an issue with it. And I do feel like it kind of calls into question, like, okay, like, what exactly is RPF? But then if this isn't, like, what would you categorize this as otherwise? 
Well, you're right that it's really tricky, and I also don't think this would ping in a lot of people's heads as RPF if they were not given that context already at the top of the fic, right? I don't think, like, if I gave this to my mom, she would be like, why are you giving me this real person fiction? Uh, For several reasons, she wouldn't say that. Um, But I think one of them is because it just doesn't have the same feel as for example, two random historical figures. I don't know, Alexander the Great and Napoleon. Coffee shop <laughs> romance. Different energy. Very different energy. I don't know why those are the people that came to mind. <laughs> Save that one for our next fix something, something, something intro. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep it in my pocket. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways this reads much more as like a spec script than RPF. Because I feel like the thing about RPF is it doesn't have to have a ship, but I feel like as with most fan fiction, it often has a shippy element, and like this does not, and it doesn't even really have like a another kind of relationship dynamic going on, like other than their po- podcast host. This isn't like exploring their friendship or like exploring their relationship <laughs> yeah. as coworkers or something, you know. Um, and it also like it's just focused so closely on the source content material. Like I don't know, it's more. It's almost like if in a sports RPF fandom, we just wrote out what a game looks like that didn't yeah. ever happen you know it's like the that opposite of that of... one direction we wanted their interiority post it is yeah. the exact opposite <laughs> it's the reverse like there it's just mimicking oh it's like an it's just an invented version of what we already have from like from canon quote unquote yeah. but like this isn't it's not really speculative in anything other than the material that they could be discussing on the pod. It's not speculative about the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's kind of where for me it like kind of doesn't fall as over. It doesn't really mm-hmm. fall over into RPF as much. That's really true that it's speculative about content, but not about character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was our discussion on You're Wrong About Misericord by Idan Ohanas, which is a wonderful, interesting, voicey, speculative about content fic uh, that I enjoyed so much. And I really think that it is readable without context and also even more enjoyable with context. So I hope you enjoyed listening to that. In Nick's fic, the characters speculate about a movie. In Brenna's fic, many characters speculate about the nature of the relationship between Josh and Donna. Brenna, take it away. Okay, so my pick for this episode is The Age of Aquarius by Speranza. Uh, It's a fic for the show The West Wing, and our pairing is Josh and Donna. Um... So honestly, despite us having like two months of vacation upon coming back to recording Fit Click, I did not um, have a sort of wealth of fix ready at my fingertips like I had hoped to because I didn't read anything in those two months. Um, well, I read some books. I didn't read any fan fiction. And one of the books that I read, this is getting to a point, Ficklets, one of the books that I read was Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I had never previously read despite owning it since it's come out. Um, and I read your copy like years yes. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, this is all very true. But since I finally did read it, what it reminded me of is how I used to love the TV show West Wing. Could I rewatch West Wing now with the same level of joy that I watched it with in high school and college? Probably not. Um, things have things have changed since then for me and also my view on politics. Um <laughs> But I still have a very fond spot in my heart for that show. Um, And also just like 
I love good television and a lot of that show is good television. So I thought to myself, what could I maybe bring a fic for that we haven't discussed? And I thought West Wing and then I went over to the West Wing tag and then I saw our friend who's not really our friend, but I'm just going to say it until I manifest it, Speranza in that tag. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was like, wow, Speranza, let me read your fic. And I thought this one was really good. So now I've brought it. Um, Okay, so before I get into the content of this fic, uh, for content warnings, there's nothing really major. I will say, like, the show The West Wing is very much a product of the early 2000s, and this fic does reflect that. So there are a few lines and, like, jokes that definitely feel dated. Um, If you're familiar with the show, I think it won't be that jarring to you. But if you're not, just get yourself in the headspace of like what would have been appropriate (laughs) at that time that we might not vibe with as much in 2022. Um, So the purpose of this fic is basically that it is a getting together fic for Josh and Donna. Um, What I really loved about it was that I think the style of it and the especially the writing of the dialogue in this fic is super evocative for me of the show itself. Like one of the things that always sticks out about West Wing is it's dialogue styles. And this one, it just totally conjured the show up in my brain for me. Like it was like I was watching parts of an episode, basically. I think the tone and the character voices and everything were just super spot on. Um, So as someone who is a fan of that, I really liked it. I did make my co-hosts watch like one clip just to kind of get the vibe if they hadn't seen anything previously. And also like the dialogue tends to jump around a lot. It's kind of like characters are having three conversations at once sometimes. Um, and this fic mimics that really well, which is like one of the things I really enjoyed about it, but I think can be deeply confusing if you like aren't familiar with the source content. Um, also like, yeah, I was a Josh Donna shipper, not to the point where I was reading fan fiction because I didn't know it existed for them. But like, (laughs) you know, sometimes you watch a political drama and then you ship a heterosexual couple. Like, (laughs) has it happened to me multiple times yes they'll get you um i also just yeah unfortunately am a huge like tv like political tv drama apologist like it is kind of one of my favorite like genres of tv show especially for like a kind of procedural i love a political one um so kind of going back to that space was really fun for me in this fic um i think it has like a lot of little details i want to talk about um that I think just, like, worked super well for me. And another thing that kind of, like, I thought was really fun about this fic is that it kind of takes a wild gamble with its couple, but it, like, really pays off. And for me, like, actually fit really well with, like, the fic and kind of with, like, the canon it's playing in. Um, So, yeah, I had a good time with this. It's pretty lighthearted. Before we get into more of the discussion, co-hosts who don't know about the West Wing um, <laughs> and did not rewatch it copious amounts of times. <laughs> what did you think of this? Can I ask a question? Yeah. I've never seen the West Wing. Mm-hmm. Is Josh and Donna a canonical pairing in the show? Yes. It's very like slow burn on the side of everything for like the most part through the many seasons I think they get together like by the end honestly my recollection of that part is not great but like it is very much like they have big feelings for each other and like there's a lot of work stuff that like gets in the way of them being able to act on that especially because of like their positions within the White House and like kind of power dynamics and also just their public figures so good to know thank you 
Yeah, I did enjoy this. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. Like Brenna said, there were definitely some things that I was like, this was written a while ago, <laughs> I think. And also this is a show from a while ago, so you you can tell. Um, but I really did enjoy... There's like a pivot moment halfway through the fic, and I liked where it was placed. I liked the pacing of it. I liked the fallout from it and everything that happens afterwards. It's a very distinctive style that does feel very much like it is pulling from the style of the one clip of the West Wing that I watched because Brenna showed it to us. Thanks, Bren. You're so welcome. Um, I have many more if you the, want them. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm okay, but thank okay. you. Um, that like the many gift sets I've seen over the years. And like I'm sure I have read a couple of West Wing AUs at one point or another in different fandoms. I don't fully remember, but I know it's like it's a fandom that so many people have been into at one point or another um as just like fans of the show maybe more so than fans of like the fic though there was some fic you know it almost feels like a pacific rim type thing though (laughs) where like people take their other fandoms and put it into this format as opposed to taking their people and putting them other places that's just my observation having known about this fandom for a while and read something from it as of like a week ago (laughs) i feel like it's also that's kind of funny because i think sometimes it's just like is this a political au or is this like a west wing au (laughs) you know because like the west wing is just an au of politics (laughs) that's true and also if someone is writing a generic political au i imagine you can probably tell sometimes if they've seen the west wing based on the way that yeah brenna's nodding i just get the vibe I think, like, you know, it can go in a lot of different directions, and I feel like there's a lot of political dramas you could, like, pull from, and, like, mm-hmm. also books and stuff. Like, now I wouldn't be surprised if people were kind of writing a political AU that was, like, more in the style of, like, Red, White, and Real Blue or something, you know? But I think there's I'm gonna a I'm going to write a scandal fic. Yeah. I mean, hey, you certainly could. <laughs> I've never seen it, though. <laughs> but I think, like, yeah, if someone was writing a political AU with, like, scandal very much in their mind, it would come across very differently than if they were writing one with, like, The West Wing very much. Like, just, like, with sci-fi AUs and stuff, you know, it's, like, even when it's kind of a generic setting, you can often kind of tell which like this is Star Trek <laughs> sci-fi media the person maybe gravitates t- towards, like, more or less. And I think you kind of can with, like, political AUs as well. Because um, I think there's only a handful of, like, big political tv shows you know and i feel like if you're going to be writing a political you you've probably like seen at least one of them (laughs) yeah good yeah i mean overall right it was fun i think like if i'm gonna read about a straight man i want him to be down bad and he was (laughs) so i appreciated that and i enjoyed that (laughs) yeah you're right (laughs) yeah um so it was fun yeah i have more to say about it but that's like my initial impression just like i enjoyed reading this i don't think i ever would have otherwise (laughs) so (laughs) always fun to get out of the comfort zone a little bit yeah um i did not watch west wing i did watch scandal i have a very bad memory in general and like i feel like specifically like i am aware that i watched and was very into scandal for at least like two seasons do i remember anything about that show beyond like maybe like the tagline premise of it no um even like that said though like when I was reading this I was like oh the like snappy back and forth banter like was making me think of like the very little I remember of Scandal um which Brent I think it's funny that you were just saying that like oh if someone was writing a political AU with like that show in mind rather than West Wing like you'd really be able to tell because when I mentioned in our pre-discussion that like I was thinking about Scandal because it's my really like only frame of reference for well I was about to say it was my only frame of reference for a political show (laughs) I did also watch Political Animals. 
And who, if you know, who among you know, um, <laughs> <sighs> if you were in that part of fandom, you know. Anyway, assuming Scandal's my main frame of reference, um, I had brought that up and you were like, oh, well, like, it makes sense that you'd think of Scandal's dialogue because West Wing sort of, like, set the, like, set the precedent for the snappy back and forth and, like, the the general way that, like, political dramas tend to speak and, like, be, where everything is always high stakes all of the time, always, like, everything is a problem to be solved and whatever. I mean, that's, that's um, definitely how I view it, because also, like, The West Wing is probably the earliest, like, made political drama that I've seen. Like, I have not watched anything that was made, like, in the 80s or 90s, so I don't really know. But I do know some things that, like, The West Wing kind of made famous, and I think, like, you can see those in other political shows. The walk and talk, which yeah. you had us watch the clip <laughs> yeah. of. Even as, like, even as Scandal is, like, Olivia and Fitz, like, and all of their, like, romantic tension and everything that, like, the West Wing would never, like, do in that manner, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that all said, um, I found this fic, like, unexpectedly very funny. Like, there were multiple points that, like, genuinely made me, like, laugh. Um, and I feel like part of it maybe is because everything in this fic feels like the same level of stakes. Like everything is so high stakes and everything feels like not quite life or death, but it's all like, like big problem, big problem. Like this would be the setup for the episode that like everything centers around. And then it like made the dialogue like kind of overdramatic, but in a way that I was enjoying, like it didn't feel like, I don't know, like, uh, like I said, it was enjoyable and funny. I did, listen, there's, like, a lot of, not a lot of this fic. The center part of this fic is them being in Pennsylvania, and it really just kind (laughs) of made me do a thousand-yard stare because I attended school in, like, kind of rural Pennsylvania, and, like, all of the little references they were making, I was like, oh, God, oh, God. (laughs) I'm just being transported back. Um, So I got slightly sidetracked by my own um, surprisingly strong feelings about Pennsylvania that I didn't know I still had. But, um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I I agree with Nick. I do not think I no. I know for a fact this is not a fic I ever would have read were it not brought to the pod. But like, you can say that I think about a lot of fics, and I think that is kind of what makes this podcast really enjoyable is like branching out into stuff that I would not normally read. Yeah, I think one of the things that Reed brought up is kind of how high the stakes feel in this fic because I think that that's really representative of a show like The West Wing. There's very little, like, downtime in it, and even though, like, as a viewer, you obviously have some frame of reference for, like, when the stakes are, like, higher, like, is this an election, is this an international crisis, or is this just, like, kind of everyday stuff? But also, like, the way the characters handle it is always kind of the same, um, and I think, like, this fic played with that really well, and also kind of delves into, like, a side of the West Wing that I I think, like, you sometimes see and, like, you sometimes don't. I think this is the case with, like, a lot of political, like, dramas and books and everything, um, which is, like, the how does holding a public office impact someone's, like, personal and private life, you know? Because, like, yeah, obviously we know, like, the president and the first lady and the first family are going to be very much in the public eye, but you don't necessarily think about how it's going to kind of bleed down to like all of their staffers as well and I think it it does at least when you're in that Washington bubble I presume like I don't know I'm sitting out here and like very far away from Washington (laughs) very disconnected from like the political world but I think like this fic does a good job of kind of showing that and um so in like the first scene like Sam and Josh are kind of talking about like 
why hasn't Josh ever kind of like gotten together with Donna like it's so clear that they have feelings for each other like blah 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 and he basically like open Josh basically opens this like drawer in his filing cabinet and pulls out like all of these kind of pre-written and like for now not published newspaper articles that he has access to and like some of them are like obituaries for like the president and like all of the staffers and everything but other ones are like photos of like him leaving Donna's house when like he was just dropping something off and like all of this kind of like paparazzi stuff and like this article that like hasn't been published about kind of like a scandal between him and Donna because you know they like Donna's his staffer so like it's not it's not a good look you know um from an outside viewpoint and that kind of like sets off the whole thick like that kind of begins the premise of it but it also like it does a good job of like making the reader realize that like the stakes are pretty high about absolutely everything in these people's lives and like a mistake in their personal life isn't just a mistake in their personal life you know and even like a not a mistake just a choice in their personal life like has impacts on like the whole US government when you're like at that level um and yeah even though I don't really like high stakes situations in my own life I do enjoy them in media (laughs) (laughs) um which perhaps is a reason why I've watched so much political stuff over the years um but I don't know I just think this fic did a really good job of like setting that up and kind of making us invested in like the Josh and Donna situation in like a different way than you just are is like oh they are two people with feelings for each other that like need to kind of work this out maybe if Josh was Donna's bodyguard then I would have watched mm. <laughs> the West Wing maybe yeah Donna well, would have not, needed like, as it was coming a out, different <laughs> position but like maybe in like an AU where like then years later she runs for president ah he'd be too old to be in the secret service um let me work on this i also (laughs) okay from i think from the because i did google like i was curious as to like what they looked like Ah. and i'm picturing josh in my brain and bodyguard is not really (laughs) what comes to mind no he was not doing a good job of it he did get shot once in the show that was sad um oh no yeah that's i will say okay i had a kind of I guess I don't think it's like curse, just like very whack thought, Bren, when you were talking about how like every episode is like so high stakes, like even the stuff that's more day to day. I don't know why, but this made me think about I just saw either a TikTok or a tweet. I don't really know that was like, oh, like there's like, I guess, a common trope in like anime that's like the beach episode. And my brain was like, there's no beach episode. Okay, on there are actually a couple episodes you could argue are beach episodes on West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is Wait, like okay. the giant wheel of cheese episode. The what? This sounds no, up my alley. No. No, 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 I because we're going to get we're going to get yes, to the doors go. versus wheels us, debate again. Us. And Nick is going to argue that a wheel of cheese is a wheel. And I'm going to be the fuck so is it called that, Ben Reed? It's not a wheel. Okay, I anyway, don't sorry, remember Brenna, exactly because, the- again, I have not seen an episode of The West Wing since college, which was like over 10 years ago. Um, well, since I watched the show, I wasn't. Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. I think there's an episode where, like, they basically do this thing called Giant Wheel of Cheese Day, and it's because, like, in a past administration, I don't remember which president, but, like, one of the kind of earlier ones, like, did something where, like, he had a giant wheel of cheese and people could come have some cheese or something at the White House. I don't know. Don't ask me. But the version of it that they do is basically that they invite, like, because they're always getting lobbied by like all of these tiny groups and they usually don't have time for like all of the kind of fringe ones and the ones who like aren't 
immediately like relevant to policy and stuff so they have like one day a year that they kind of hear everyone out with like their weirdest requests and like their the weirdest lobbying groups and everything and like they all get like broken up and they all have to like take care of like these groups who like want really niche stuff to like be changed by the administration and i feel like that episode is kind of the equivalent of like a beach day episode because it's pretty much just funny and there's also one Mm. i Mm. there's a there's definitely some light light-hearted episodes like they never like go to the beach but there's definitely some light-hearted episodes um because it would be okay. it'd be a little bit much to just like be i mean i i guess it is how a lot of shows are these days but like it is kind of exhausting when you're watching a show that's just like incredibly high stakes every episode like you have to bring it down occasionally but yeah yeah <laughs> okay okay i mean that makes sense um beach day thought aside what i was gonna say back to the fic itself um that scene though where josh pulls out the like pre-written articles including the obituaries i feel like was so interesting because sam's reaction i think is a uh, a very understandable reaction to have where he's like jesus christ and he feels like sick to his stomach like josh is like oh you want to read your own obituary and sam is like absolutely not (laughs) but i feel like the fact that sam feels again i i think that's a pretty reasonable reaction to have like wow this is horrible that they already have these like pre-written stories about you and donna like contrasted with josh's like very matter of fact like this is the way it is like this is the position i'm in and i knew this going into this job and like yeah it sucks but things aren't fair like i don't know i thought that contrast was really interesting especially i think because sam was not as um i guess like jaded and numb to it as josh was yeah well it's such an interesting choice for a first scene i couldn't help but think that as i was reading like to start with this very, very rapid back and forth talking moment that has all of these like really interesting, almost in media res conversational moments, including the here's the obituary, including the here's the articles, like to open with here's why it can't work in a fic about how it eventually works, I thought was just a really neat choice. And it's not where I think most authors would have started this story. Like, Donna's not even in this scene. She's mentioned, but not like... She's not there. Uh, we, we get to meet her a little bit later in person. Is that how that works? You meet a character in person mm-hmm. when they <laughs> when they arrive into like the same room as your main character? I don't know. Um, I just thought it was an interesting choice. And I liked the way that it was executed. Um, because I felt like it gave us a lot about the characters of josh and sam it's also in sam's point of view which i found doubly interesting considering the fact that we swap over to josh for pretty much the rest of the fic um yeah to start with an outsider pov of the one of the main love interest characters slapping down some articles it was a confident choice i liked it um so yeah as nick mentioned the fic begins with basically the why they can't ever be together (laughs) um and then the fic comes up with like a very creative way for them to get together (laughs) which is that they skip dating altogether and just get married (laughs) yeah (laughs) basically so they can like get ahead of the press which like i love and feels very fitting for this canon like I don't think the writers would have ever, like, the actual TV writers would have ever committed to this bit in this way. But, like, I think it's very, it works really well for me in this situation. Um, And, I mean, both characters are very, like, enthusiastically yes about the whole thing. So it doesn't feel like 
weird at all in that regard. Um, but it is very funny because it's basically just, it goes from basically Josh being like, I am depressed and sad because I love Donna and we can never be together because outside, like, pressure, the media, all of these things, and then being like, no, I love her so much. We can be together because we'll just get married. <laughs> yeah. He goes gourd to the floor in yeah. this fic, and I respect that so much. He absolutely does. Um, and they bring their gourds to Virginia to get married, because I guess you like don't need to do a whole lot there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the different like marriage requirements in different U.S. states, but um, it's really delightful. They kind of just have like their few friends and like other West Wing main characters as like witnesses. Um, and then they like are supposed to be on their honeymoon, but they're watching C-SPAN. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do know that if you get married in Pennsylvania, your marriage license looks maybe like someone in ninth grade did a craft project in Microsoft Word. I know oh, this no. because my friends got married in Philly and I have seen their marriage license and it really they're like, look at this piece of paper that is garbage I'm like yeah um that's a shame I do yeah right I do want to briefly talk about the like proposal question the hmm the thing that pivots them to getting married because I when I mentioned that this fic was like very funny um they go to Harrisburg gross but whatever <laughs> <laughs> they go, sorry if you I'm so sorry if you live in Harrisburg I also don't it's hate also Pennsylvania. Just like reading anyway. like deep Pennsylvania like opinions, yeah. and Nick and I being like, "It's a state." Okay, <laughs> I guess. Um, whatever. They go to Harrisburg, go to the Capitol, talk. I th- I think to a governor, and like they're like leaving, and like Josh has been like struck like struck with clarity, like this is it. He's gonna seize his moment. And Donna's busy being like, "I think I want a salad." Like blah blah blah, and he's like, "Donna, I love you. I love you more than anything." Yes. Like blah blah blah, and she starts crying, and he goes, "Donna." Don't cry. I'm sorry. I take it back. I'll buy you a salad. <laughs> and like that, again, it was one of those things that made me like genuinely burst out laughing. Um, and then she's like, it's happy tears. It's happy tears. And then, yes, um, they go to Virginia to get married. But like, first of all, just the like wild. He walks out of this meeting where the governor, again, I think is like, I married my astrologer. Like life is too short. Like seize, seize the moment. Love who you love, even if you're straight. <laughs> and- <laughs> That's Sorry. verbatim from the fake, actually. Speranza wrote those yeah. words. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, like, that moment was, like, so funny. And then even, like, the marriage scene was, like, pretty funny in a way that I just, like, really wasn't expecting but very much appreciated. Yes, I, I am sorry, Ficklets. Um, I feel like maybe I should apologize for only bringing like very heterosexual fic during Pride Month this year. <laughs> in my defense, I picked both of these fics in May. <laughs> this is literally like the opposite of all of those book talkers that are catching heat now for being like, here's my Pride Month TBR. And it's like three <laughs> queer books everyone has read for like years already and then like it's the only queer books they read the entire year brett is doing the opposite (laughs) (laughs) okay but i will say at least my like straight picks they're not picks that like everyone has already read they are niche that's why it's so opposite (laughs) yeah that's also true that's also true (laughs) but yes anyway in july we'll be back to our regularly scheduled very queer programming. <laughs> in, qu- in my discussion next, we'll be back to our re- regularly scheduled very queer yes. program. Yes, really there. So, but you know, oops, <laughs> my timing was just kind of funny on that. I feel like that's okay. 
yeah, one of my favorite scenes in this entire fic is when they get back from eloping, I suppose you could say. Uh, and they, oh, I guess they haven't quite eloped. They're planned to elope. Uh, and they meet up with Sam and CJ and Toby. Oh, I remember all of the characters' names. This is so good. Yay! Good job, me. <laughs> um, and they have this whole conversation where they're like, oh, yeah, we're getting married. We need witnesses. Um, I call on you to be my best man. I call on you to be my maid of honor. They do some like fun gender fuckery with that, so we respect that. Um, but it was like very fun and a very funny scene. And it also made me kind of sad in the way that Brenna was alluding to a bit and Reed was alluding to of like how does being in a position like this, a public position, uh, like work as your whole life position, change the landscape of your social life? Like neither of them was like, oh, let me call my best friend to come be here. Like who? Who were you going to call? It just, it was melancholy. Sorry. Read for the love of God. (laughs) Well, I know some of the ficlets are thinking it, so I did it for them. Watch Thanks. them all be like none of us thought of this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, you just don't interrupted my beautiful uh, tiring. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Continue. It's okay. I was just gonna say. I feel like we can all relate as public figures in the world of fanish <laughs> podcasting <laughs> um, to like leading double lives and just feeling really exposed in the media all the time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. My closest friends are my coworkers on this podcast. I mean, I I do feel like this genuinely comes back to something that you've talked about a couple of times that you feel very passionate about, which is like, where are their friends in this fic? Like, if a fic is like only about the romantic relationship, and you're exactly well, right? What is that like? (laughs) Yeah, because next point is usually like, oh, like if your whole life is just this like one little like this one interaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like this one trip. Like, what are you doing outside of it? And this fic is like. Yeah, everything is super intertwined. Like their friends or their coworkers are also like like XYZ. Like there's no but it makes sense, I guess, like for the job and for the TV show that it would be so self-contained. How do you build a genuine relationship outside of this when it's like people wouldn't be able to understand what your life is like? Yeah. Oof. Brutal. Yeah, so I had a very fun time revisiting the world of the West Wing um, with very little of the actual political um, content and a lot of the jokes, uh, dialogue, and love story. So I think that was kind of the ideal way to do it, to be honest. Um, And I'm glad my co-host joined me for the ride. Uh, Yeah, this is a very fun little fic, very snappy dialogue, very evocative of the show. So I had a great time. In this fic, Josh and Donna have feelings for each other. In real life, twice have got the feels for you, boy. Read? Yes, thank you for that um, banger of a transition, Nick. Um, My fic, as I mentioned at the beginning, is a twice fic. It is called A Coin Over Each Eye by Sorry Mom. Um, the pairing, again, is tagged for Momo Sana, um, but arguably also Sana Nayon, and like kind of Nayon Momo Sana. I don't know. The three of them in in whatever sort of convoluted way he would like to draw that picture. Um, Brenna, much like you, um, I, okay, I did read fic in our time off, but most of it is what I would categorize as not great. Um... <laughs> 
unfortunately. Oof. Yeah, sometimes you just need to read things that are like much lower stakes and easier for your brain, but maybe aren't as like mm, compelling or would not make for good things to discuss on the podcast. However, this fic came across my Twitter and um, I was like, oh, ho, ho, what is this? And like halfway through, I was like, oh my God, not only am I just losing my gourd for this fic, but like this is a fic I so deeply want to talk about like with my co-hosts. Like I just really want to dig into it in a way that I think will be so satisfying with my friends. So what this fic is, is it is a reincarnation AU where we start with um, Sana and Momo in the subway terminal between worlds. Um, but then we see a lot of their lives play out. And the sort of central premise is that when they are in this subway terminal, like they both know each other. They remember the lives that they have just lived and also have like all of the previous ones. But when they're actually living their lives and not in the subway terminal, um, the the version of Sana and Momo that the other is meeting are sort of not aware that they live all of these lives and that they have met each other and that they have they have all of this history. The only uh, content warning that I would give for this fic is the one that it is tagged for, which is major character death. Um, and I think, as I said at the end of last episode, the additional tag is the MCD is pretty chill because, again, it is reincarnation AU. Um, a, you see, I think, like, one or two of their, like, deaths technically on screen. None of it is graphic. Uh, yeah, it is major character death by product of the fact that they are living many, 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 many lives. Yeah, the central concept of this fic is the two of them sort of trying to figure out, like, what the process of this, like, reincarnation is and, like, why can't they remember, like, why doesn't the other person remember them, like, when they're in these worlds? And then about halfway through, you meet Nayon, who has all of the knowledge and it kind of throws, like, everything for a loop. And I just think that the way the lore of this world unravels was, like, so captivating and brilliant and mind-boggling. Um, the prose was just, like, beautiful. Um, it's 5K, but it, like, it really felt like it was longer. Like, it is so rich and full and just made me, like, shake my laptop screen when I was reading it because I was overwhelmed and, like, really wanted to pick it apart and figure everything out. So... I had a fantastic time reading this. Um, would love to know what the two of you thought. Yeah, I absolutely loved this fic. I didn't really know what I was going into. Um, and like, honestly, like reincarnation stuff is not usually like something I seek out. So I was like, okay, like this will probably be interesting to read. But I didn't go in with like expecting to like really love this or anything, to be honest, um, which sounds bad. But like, you know, sometimes you open a fic and you're like, this will be interesting. But like, you know, um, and then I was, like, messaging my co-host being, like, oh, my God, read this fic, this fic. <laughs> like, it was so good. And I think a big part of that, as Reed alluded to, is, like, there's some ways that, like, the lore kind of unfolds and there's a couple, like, kind of twists that you get with, like, how this world works for them that worked so freaking well for me and just, like, made it feel so rich, like, how everything ties together and, like, it complicated their relationships and like the dynamic of the reincarnation in such an interesting way um that like, I did not expect and I found really rewarding to read also just like I don't know their relationship was lovely and made me feel all kinds of feelings inside and it's very like bittersweet like it's not sad necessarily but I feel like it's in equal parts kind of about like grief and loneliness but also like hope and togetherness and like that makes you feel a lot of feelings as a reader 
Um, so I really like the dynamics between the girls, but I also just like was really blown away by like the storytelling and the way that like this story was put together, like how everything works in it. And there is definitely some hand waving. Like this is not like the lore is not super detailed out, which I think really works in this scenario. Um, and like, you know, the three of us maybe got a little too deep in trying to like pick things <laughs> apart. And then we were like, okay, we just have to leave it alone because it was good as is. <laughs> um, we can't unravel this to the point where like it stops making sense. Um, but we sure can we try. Sure can. We can always try. <laughs> um, but it wouldn't be satisfying here. You know, I think it's better to like take what the author has given you a bit. Um, but yeah wow I just I had the best time with this fic I really didn't know what to expect at all and like it just really blew me away I I loved it and it's one that I think is going to kind of be in the back of my mind for a long time and it's kind of set my standard for like this trope as well I don't know if you knew this ficlets I'm actually um in bad news for ficlets financials initiating a lawsuit against Reed <laughs> Um, this made me shed like a single cinematic tear at the very end <laughs> as I finished. I was like, oh, wow, my heart. Um, I found the ending like devastatingly sad. I don't know that my co-hosts felt the same way, um, but I did. It upset me deeply. Just to be clear, it was lovely. Um, the prose is knockout. There are so many turns of phrase here that I feel like I just haven't seen before. The author's style is very confident and also very intricate linguistically which I very much liked uh, I felt like I was experiencing very mundane things in new ways through this author's eyes and that is always very cool uh, the Sana is our POV character here and she was lovely she was wonderful she was so interesting uh, and I really loved how we got between our three kind of main characters here three distinct ways of looking at this entire situation that they are in for whatever reason. There are multiple perspectives happening. No one really knows what's happening or why exactly, but they are theorizing about it and working together and talking and also like trying to protect each other from it in the best ways they know how and protect themselves. And it's so lovely. And I think Brenna alluded to this a little bit. I think if this had been much longer than 5k, it just wouldn't have worked as well for me because we would have gotten too bogged down in the details. I love that it was short. It felt like it was exactly the right length. There's so much packed into this 5,000 words. It is what we call it, thick like a long 5k. Um, <laughs> and I liked it so much. It was so good. I understand why Reed read this like ages ago and said, oh, I'm going to bring this to the pod as soon as I can. And then we went on a break. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. See you later. Um, but now we are finally here and I am delighted. Really quick, I meant to say this at the beginning, um, but this is one of those fics where if you are not familiar with K-pop at all, you don't need to be. Like, they are twice only in name. I, you could argue, I guess, maybe in one of the worlds, maybe they are twice of our world. And we <laughs> will get back to that. Brenna's shaking her fist a little bit. But like, really, you thoughts. truly do not need... <laughs> um, but yeah, you truly do not need to know anything about like Twice or K-pop at all to read this fic. Um, and if it was not clear from that intro, I think all of us would highly, highly recommend. Um, I do just briefly want to read a little snippet because as yes, Nick said, please. like not only is the prose like beautiful, but just so strikingly different. Um, it just goes off with a bang from the beginning. Um, so the first scene is, um, like, Sana and Momo in the subway terminal, and, like, immediately after you get uh, Sana and Momo taking their respective trains that will take them to whatever their next life is. And so I just want to read a little snippet of Sana 
entering her next life, I guess. The train seals itself shut, and then, with absolute monotony, sunlight like trumpets, a shattered glass city. Past the jagged carcass of skyscrapers, she can see the next world. Galaxies hang like storm cloud chandeliers. Lightning stems rewind to outstretched hands. The white viper mouth opens around the aluminum can train. By the time the fangs slice through the frame, Sana is busy being born again. Like, shut up. What? <laughs> it's what? so fucking good. Also, like, um, Nick, the end did devastate me as well. I was, like, going back Thank through my you. notes and, like, especially, I think especially on a second read and, like, having sort of the perspective I think the three of us have of, like, what it means, maybe. Um, I, yeah, my notes at the end, I was, like, the ending line, I'm in pieces. I'm face first on the ground and just disintegrating. Um, and in part because it repeats, like, the very last line, I think, is with absolute monotony sunlight and i was like ao3 user sorry mom i don't i can't believe you're suing me we should be, we should be filing a joint lawsuit against ao3 user sorry mom i'm gonna, I'm gonna defend known, sorry mom in court <laughs> okay that's fine i'm still i'm suing reed i'm not changing my mind <laughs> yeah i just like wow in okay in the last episode we talked about for the fic that i brought we're like oh we would love another like 30 to 50k in this world i don't need another like 30 to 50k of this fic in particular as we said i think it's a perfect length but what i do like what i would just kill for is like an extended like author's notes like i want like a dream with post where the author like breaks down like line by line everything they were thinking um both because again this this premise is so intricate and like it is so we are trying to put the pieces together but have we done them correctly i don't know that there is a correct way to do it but also just to like know I don't know what even sparked this, like what was going through the author's brain. I would love to know those thoughts. So AO3 user, sorry, mom, if you're listening. Um, if you don't feel like doing a line by line breakdown, feel free to hit us up. Um, come on a Zoom call and chat with us again. <laughs> again, we're soliciting authors to just give us everything in your brain. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to just keep talking, but I do feel like should we dig into sort of like the the unraveling of the structure of... Can I say one more meta thing about this author first? Oh, please. Absolutely. Which is just that the end note cracked me up. Uh, it ends with, thank you, just the letter U for reading. Ten asked for canon Samo. Can you imagine if I actually did that? <laughs> that's the entire end note. Oh, it made me laugh so much, even as I was crying one single cinematic tear. Samo being Sanamomo. Well, of course. Well, I, I not... our ficlets would know that. <laughs> they would figure it out. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They're versed in the art of the portmanteau. They are. They are. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so this fic really is written in a lot of little little scenes. I can't remember like what the word I'm looking for is. Vin vignettes? Yes. yes thank you. <laughs> um, and we're seeing sort of glimpses of them both at the train station in between these lives. Sometimes we see bits of a life like from Sana's perspective. Um, and I kind of want to get into like the first of like the reveals that we get yes. which like made mm -hmm. me feel not so um and like we need to jump out a window because... uh -huh. <laughs> um yeah so okay just kind of set the scene um the f i think it's the first time we actually see sana like in a life meeting uh like a momo um they're like at a bar and Sana says, hi, Sana size. I'm Sana. We've met before. I can't tell you how many times because we have a rule that we don't count, but I keep secrets from you and I do count, but only the times we 
We've been emperors before. I heard you sing on a rooftop. You've married me 72 times, and sometimes you even meant to. Momo is inching out of the booth. Sorry, she can't possibly mean it. I've got to go to the bathroom. When Sana is home, she doesn't cry. She'll send Momo a, this is Sar- Sana, <clears throat> this is Sana, sorry if I was weird, I was just confused, sad face, before her eyes seal, sl- seal shut with sleep. So, like, we have that scene, which, like, ugh, feelings. Wretched. And then a few scenes later, sorry, I am scrolling because I didn't. Go, pick Brenna, this go. out i gotta scroll, find the scroll, right scroll, part scroll. yeah scroll. okay so then we get into a scene where like sana is in one of her lives but like isn't with momo she's with nyan and nyan kind of sorry really quick uh, just to clarify though because this i feel like with reincarnation i think the expectation is in every life they're together and they find each other and they're in love and that is like not the way this works like they do not always find each other and like they're both sometimes... there somewhere but they are not yes. always together they don't always run into each other they don't always meet or if they do it's in passing you never really know sometimes they do get together and then they break up like it is not like and every life they fall in love and it's beautiful yes i didn't mean to cut you off no no, no. I just felt you, like that was, important no, it, was it was very important thank you for thinking to do so um yeah so in this life she doesn't seem to be with momo we don't know if momo is like in this world or not but she is ostensibly married to nyan and nyan is like why are you always so sad like i found all these emails you sent blah 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 um and sana's like i don't i don't like understand what you're trying to say and nyan is like hi i'm nyan we've met before i don't keep count because how could i it's more than hundreds and more than thousands and stop sana can barely hear her own voice there's no way nyan can we fought wars together and against each other we've been best friends and strangers and also this sometimes um and it just uh, uh, okay it makes me feel just like my gourd has been cracked into a thousand tiny tiny bits um and yeah, because this whole time we've been kind of operating under the assumption that, like, Sana and Momo remember each other in the train station. Sana seems to be the only one who remembers Momo in the worlds in which they do meet, as kind of evidenced by the world where she tries to tell Momo and it all goes wrong. And we don't ever even think that maybe <laughs> Nyon is part of this puzzle, too. And this is the part where I got to like this and it's kind of in the middle of this fic. And I was just like, oh, my God, this fic is going places I really, really did not anticipate. And it's so freaking good. And I think there's like a couple more kind of parts that tie it all together but i don't want to like monopolize the explaining this fic <laughs> time so if anyone else wants to kind of pick up from here and like go in further but yeah this was the first part that just made me feel like i was yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't mind nick just briefly um to, to pick up a little go bit ahead. when i said like i was like halfway through this fic and i was like oh, i want to bring it it's a couple scenes after that because also like most of the vignettes are like it's like subway different world like subway station different world but then we get like a series of vignettes but all set within this world in which sana and nyan are married and nyan gives this big reveal and nyan had been like folding paper cranes and like also sana is like okay like for me it's a subway terminal like what is it for you and nyan says it's a river and there's a girl at her river and we don't ever find out like again presume not again presumably it is another girl from mm-hmm. twice we never find out who it is it's been Young in my head the entire time and i could not explain to you why <laughs> i just decided that it was and then i rolled with it and ever since i think i've just her. kind of put different girls in each time because her. i was wasn't really sure who fit <laughs> <laughs> 
But so you know, so you have like Sana and Momo at their train station, and then you have Nayeon and Chaeyoung, question mark, at the river. And Nayeon and Sana are now trying to like uncover like what are the rules of this. And Sana is picking up all of these paper cranes that Nayeon has folded. And so it goes, um, sorry to just keep reading lines from this fic, but you know what? Please they do. all slap. No, keep going. So Sana takes a seat at the opposite end of the table, gathers a flock of cranes. She sets one with a crooked wing on a dinner plate, one with a bent beak beside it. So I know Momo. She turns one crane to look at the other. Momo doesn't know me. She turns the other away. And you, Sana picks up a perfect crane. Know both of us. Nyan looks up at the three birds in a line, all facing the same way. Yeah, but then there's your river girl. Sana picks up another crane, unsure where to place it. And that was the bit where I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk about this with my co-host. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I am just losing it. Yeah. It's so much, and it's so good, and it's so interesting. I think for me, I love Nyan as a character very dearly. She is so interesting in this fic. She's like kind of cold and sad in a lot of ways, and I don't really blame her for being that way. Her view of it is like, this is probably purgatory, and Sana's like, I don't like that <laughs> as a view. Um, but Nyan doesn't seem to be putting that much thought into like the why of it all, as opposed to trying to just live in it and figure out how to make it work and be true to herself. One thing about the cranes sidebar that I really liked was um, at the beginning of the series of vignettes, Sana is looking at Nyan folding these. They're married and is thinking about how, oh, like she's surprised because Nyan didn't strike her as a very patient type. So Nyan probably won't finish folding a thousand of these cranes. Like it just seems unlikely. Uh, and then after the reveal and after Sana learns all of this, she's like, oh, shit, never mind. <laughs> Nyan is the most patient person I've ever met in my entire life, actually. And there is no way she won't finish these cranes. And then she finishes the cranes. It doesn't even do anything with them. She's like, whatever. Um do they get like destroyed thrown out unfolded i forget what it well, is Well, first first they like they start using them they like place them all around the apartment right. they hang them from the ceiling they're trying to use them to like visualize like the possibilities yes. of like how these how this whole thing works um and then when they can't answer it yeah i think they they take them all down and i think just Oof. throw them away wow yeah what a yeah. visual it's good by new year nyan has cut the cranes down and swept them up into a dustpan Yup. Yeah. It's, Brutal, awful. <laughs> this fixes so much with every single line. It is mind blowing. Um, another thing that I really thought was interesting is we're we're talking about the the theory here. Um, that partway through this fic, you you realize kind of that Momo and Sana are going in opposite directions. Yeah. That's when I started to get really upset. Uh, <laughs> just FYI, I started to be really upset. Um, because for the first time, Sana experiences a world, they, they cross basically partway through this fic that Momo has described to her. And it's so distinctive. They die at the end after being together and like in love by a volcano, which even in this world of infinite possibilities, you you would think is unlikely. Um well, that's their, like, every time they get to the train station, they tell each other, like, oh, how did how did you die in your respective life? How did I die in mine? And they're like, a volcano, never a volcano. And then it's after they both die in this world where they get back to the train station and Sana's like, it was a volcano. And Momo was like, oh, my God, it was a volcano. And you realize that they were in the same life and didn't realize it the whole time they were there together. But they also, like, didn't experience it at the same point in time, you know? For Correct. Momo, it was like, they Previously. are going opposite directions, but they don't seem to 
really line up quite either. So I don't really know I what's made I thought that was the that. mid. I don't oh, think so. Well, it I think is Sana recognizes oh, it like, from Momo's story. It ex- is the midpoint, but they don't hit the midpoint at the same time. Exactly. Oh, it's I even totally more complicated both- than you thought, Reed. Oh no, <laughs> it, it is the point of overlap. It's the one that we know that they've both experienced because mm-hmm. it's the point at which like Sana has the first like. I don't know. Maybe it's not linear. It's very possible that there was a previous midpoint as well where they were in the same world and didn't meet and might have realized that they were there at the same time had mm. they met. We don't actually fully also, know. Also, like, we don't we don't know for sure that it is linear. Like, you know, it kind of That's is implied that it is. But, like, if we also look at Nylon and the fact that she overlaps yeah. at, like, various points with Wiggly. both of them, like, it could be that, like, Sana and Momo are kind of experiencing these lives generally in opposite directions but like that it's not exactly a one-to-one ratio Mm -hmm. or because some lives are shorter and some lives are longer that's like put them on Mm. like an offset like line or something you know um i don't know because yeah like if they both experience it in the same moment then they both would have gotten back to the train station and said mine was a volcano mine was also a volcano instead it's that's what i thought it was did i read it wrong instead it's that Early on, Momo says, "Mine this time we died in a volcano." And then when Sana yeah. gets back from and that Sana's one, like, she well, says, "That's crazy." And then she she says, <laughs> "Dies a volcano, by volcano. A volcano, Momo." And it's like, "Yes, you collected lamps, Tiffany lamps." Um, it's a memory. Yeah, it's a memory. So like that's why like when I try and start pulling it apart too much, it like <laughs> yeah, it gets confusing. It gets really confusing. So I have to just like not because it's so good. Everyone as it come is. into my way of reading things. <laughs> We roll with it. We enjoy it. We find peace with what we don't understand. Oh, yeah. I just like, I think that the idea of it being opposite to me was first what hit hit me of this point of like, okay, so if they're going in opposite directions, there are a finite number of these worlds because they've already experienced the first and second half respectively. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That began to upset me. And I think that's what made the ending hurt my feelings so Mm -hmm. badly. Mm -hmm. It really, it injured my emotions. (sighs) okay so the ending of this fic (sighs) i'm fine um is it's described as the final one uh so initially sana basically she says that it feels like she is moving more quickly through the universes because she recognizes them from momo's words um and at the same time right there's this like I don't know, this anticipation of each one and also this sense that there is maybe less to discover. And it goes all the way through until they get to the very final world. Uh, And ostensibly, we don't know 100%, but like in a fic this short where every word is really counting and doing work, you you know, right? They are twice. They are world-renowned girl group twice. Uh, in a group together, Nyon is there. They're all like messing around with. I, it's some drink, either like a protein drink or like a soda or something that Momo's trying to shake. And they're. Um, I think it's the coffee that she has in the it's train the, stock. It's the coffee can, yeah. always, right? That's almost like you have <gasps> yeah. to shake it. Oh my God, you're right. Wow, I'm a fool. This is making it worse. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're so welcome. Yeah, and they're getting on a train. Um, and haha, <laughs> surprise. Now I am going to be reading. Um, I'm just going to read us to the end from about six lines up because I feel like it's worth it to hear this. Ficklets, spoilers. We've been spoiling you the whole time, <laughs> but especially now if you want to read this fic, go do it before you hear the ending. <clears throat> Sana wants it to be less loud so she can say, I have ridden this into so many worlds with you. Momo leads the shuffle onto the train car. 
Sana wants it to be easier to ask, are you being brave for the sake of me, or have you not realized yet that we're finally at the beginning? They find a place to stand, hip to hip, Nyan's hand on Sana's back to steady her and Momo's finger hooked into her belt loop. The doors close with a hiss. The train lurches forward. Momo glances at her, just a wisp of her eye. She pulls her hand from her pocket. Her fingers were already crossed. With absolute monotony. Sunlight. It's so good! Yeah, not funny. I cried. Um, <laughs> it's so fucking good. I have a lot of feelings about it, but I've been talking for a while, and I know my co-hosts have feelings too, so I would really like to hear them. I just like something that is so striking about this scene, because so the first time you see like Sana on the train, it's it's Momo takes the November train and Sana takes the December train, even though there's no way to track time in this subway terminal. And like when Sana gets on the train, she's brushing past other versions of herself. And it's only ever Sana and Momo in the train station. It's just the two of them. And they get this, like, brief moment of time between the worlds. And then this one, it's teeming with other people. There's other things going on. Nyon is there. They they crack a tile that, like, is the tile that Momo always thinks looks like a dinosaur or whatever. And it's, like, it's brain-breaking. And it, I just, uh, I this was one of the things where I was like, I don't get it. Why are there people here now? And why, and how is Nyon there? And I think Brenna had a fairly good idea, or at least in pre-discussion, you, like, kind of made it make sense to me. <laughs> But even but even with like, I don't know, even with it being the beginning that is also the end, like, I know that this is not productive, but I'm still ticking over like, but then but then how does Nyon end up at the river? And who's her river girl? And where's the rest of Twice? Oh, her river girl like, is Cheyenne. <laughs> it's like this fic like does kind of give you answers, but it just also brings up so many more questions. Yeah. Yes, I read this ending in one way and now I kind of have two options for how it works but like I don't I did not find it particularly brain breaking because I came into it with a sense of acceptance (laughs) Um, but I I also didn't find it as sad I think because it felt like this is the one that they were always supposed to be in so it's where they should have rightfully ended up you know because I read it as very much being like the world in which they are twice like our world um but I think like when I first read it I kind of thought it was like I didn't really realize that, like, Sana still kind of had all of her other memories of all the other worlds, too, which, like, does make it more confusing. Um, So now what I've come to is that, like, maybe this is where they both start and end. Maybe there was originally, like, maybe they lived this life once as twice and then they something happened and they've lived all these other ones. And, like, when they're kind of done with that, they've come back to, like, the original. Because there's so many things about this one that are carried through, like, the train station. Like, they this has to be the point of origin, right? Like... The tile, the broken clock, Momo's drink, like, there's so many things that, like, are in their kind of liminal subway space throughout all of the lives that, like, have to have come from here. But, like, it is also where they are ending up. So I think it's both the start and the end. I think they lived it once, they lived everything else, and they've come back to live it again, essentially. But I don't think that, I don't think that these versions of themselves, like, remember that they ever lived it the first time. Um, I feel like that's... I don't know. That's how I because like I have a new pitch. I don't know. <laughs> oh no. Okay. okay. Okay, go for it. So I am gonna pitch with the caveat that as we know, love ain't no science. So we're not hundred uh-huh. percent sure. Um but my pitch is that it kind of is it is how to say their timelines have Okay, so they're going this is ficklets, I'm using my hands. This is not gonna be helpful <laughs> to you. They're going in opposite directions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If we were presuming that it's not necessarily linear, 
what if they are on lines going in opposite directions, but it's a circle? Yeah. I have Ouroboros. always pictured it as a circle. Okay. Ooh, oh, Ouroboros. Nice. I have not pictured like an, like I've pictured it as like two circles that like intersect only at like one or two points. Ah. Is the way that I'd been picturing it sort of since the beginning, but I think that I'm I don't imagining know. points on the same circle that like oh. have paint brushes that they're holding and then they paint behind them. And then the colors start to overlap, and then yeah, they meet back up at like, one more spot. A circle that has like a fixed point at the top, and like yeah. maybe we can picture one, but the other ones kind of like mm-hmm. cross in and out, and they're still generally a circular shape, but like mm-hmm. they're not exactly on the same circle at all times. And then Sada and Momo have their neat little paintbrushes, mm-hmm. and then Nyan comes in with a paint bucket yes. that she just splatters across wherever the hell she feels like it. Because Nyan I is still Jackson don't... Pollocking. <laughs> that's fine it's so like but like we have to I don't also know what imagine to do with that Nyan. there's like six other girls who are also kind of on this circle i do not know what to do with nyan i do not know what to do with nyan's river girl or presumably okay. the rest of Twix. new thought new thought <laughs> okay okay <laughs> okay it's the same circle uh-huh. sana and momo have been on this circle each time they make a full revolution they lose their memories but the next revolution picks up another girl so this is just the second Ooh. one and then the three of them now are about to be on the circle again, going in different directions, or maybe the four, wherever Chaeyoung is. Um, and the next but time like, around, they pick up two more. Here's the other thing. Like, they could have also just had- I don't they, know. I'm just saying They things. could have had interactions with all the other girls, and just it wasn't the one that they were interacting with most. Like, if Nyon had never told Sana that Nyon knew her on all of these worlds, like, she wouldn't have known, right? So, like, what if Momo had a world where she, like, interacted with Jonghyun, but, like, Jonghyun never said anything, and, like- Maybe. We just don't know that, like, there were. Maybe they have to keep trying until they all are able to look at each other and say, "I know who you are." Yeah, again. maybe that's the point of it all. And, and then they and have then to I lay on the ground and, and I weep and I cry so much that I like drown myself in my own tears. Also, yeah. we did not we did not talk about the fact that like this podcast is secretly an Inception podcast. <laughs> It's not. Which is it really is. No, it, it is. It always is. Um, we we love a liminal train. I did. Okay, we I do love a liminal I d- train. I did say in the pre-discussion, and I I will mention it again here. <laughs> Nick always like misremembers the iconic quote from Inception. I only did and it, once, and then I just kept. I stuck with that because I liked it. Yeah, but it it really applies here because what you have said is, you're waiting for a train. And you don't know where it'll take you, but it, you hope it'll take you somewhere nice. Which is what they said in Inception, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is the motto for this fic. I do also need to say, because I'm me, and as you probably know at this point, I do love Greek mythology. What? So we have to, I have to briefly talk about, okay, so the title is A Coin Over Each Eye. And in Greek mythology, they would put coins over each of their eyes and sometimes just like in their pockets and whatever, so that you would have like safe passage over the river the sticks into the underworld. <laughs> and <I> like... <laughs> The river. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. And like, here's here's the thing. I don't know. I have to assume that everything. It's their subway fare. Okay, sorry. Well, yeah. Okay, no, no. no. So this is what I was gonna say oh. because I have to assume everything is with intention, right? Like the fic talks about the fact that like Sana and Momo have coins in the subway terminal. Like Sana is like holding a coin as she steps onto the like train to go into the next world, but. Again, a coin over each eye is about, like, the passing over the river sticks, and, like, Nyan is the one who's at the river. And so I'm like, is this also one of the things that is connecting them? Like, Sana has the coin, but Nyan is at the river, and she has to, like, cross or go through the river to get—and, like, she and her girl, I guess, have to go through the river to get to the next world. Like, I don't— 
Uh-huh. I don't have enough. Sorry, I'm like making the grabby hands, like grabby motions with my hands because I'm just overwhelmed. <laughs> like I don't have enough information mm-hmm. to fully put together a theory of like how this piece is together. But like one reading of it is just like, oh, it's just like a grief, uh, just a reference to like the Greek mythology of like crossing into the underworld because this is about like crossing mm-hmm. over. Yeah. But another idea is that like they have they have the coins and they have the river and they just I don't know. I don't know where it's going, but it is blowing my mind again. And I just um as again, as a Greek myth appreciator, I um was a big fan of the title and also the additional ways in which it made me um gourdless. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good stuff. Yeah. I just feel unwell, and I'm very glad that my co-hosts also felt unwell reading this. Um, It is a fic that, obviously, I very much enjoyed reading on my own, but it really just is one of those things that, like, makes me appreciate this pod so much because I was like, I love this fic, and I know that I'm going to love and appreciate it even more when I get to, like, dig into it with my friends and we get to sort of pick apart all of the little things. Um just a a brilliant beautiful mind-breaking fic that um even now that you have been thoroughly spoiled for it ficlets i would still highly recommend you read Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. If you are AO3 user, sorry, mom, and you'd like to get in contact with us <laughs> to tell us more about your world, or if you're just anyone listening to this um, and you would like to um, get a little bit more involved with FitClick in your life, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at FitClick. You can email us at ficlickpod at gmail.com. We want to hear your theories about this twice fic. Can you send them to us, please? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. And absolutely anyone who reads this fic and like has theories, please, I would love to discuss it with you. Um, Which you could also do in our Discord. Uh, The link to that is in our Twitter. Um, It is a wonderful community where we talk about fic, but also many not fic things. We just talk about fandom and things we like and flowers and pets etc it's a lovely place and you should consider joining there are other ways to uplift this show one of them is financially if you want to purchase merchandise uh it would also make you look really cool i've heard ficklets often get stopped on the street and asked wow where did you get that slick tote uh i shouldn't say slick the ficklets will run with that where did you get that where did you get that cool tote bag dog shouldn't say dog where did you get that cool tote bag my friend um so you could buy some of our merch it's on redbubble which is linked in our pin tweet on our twitter um and you can also just shout it from the rooftops or into the reviews of the podcatcher of your choice and or other social media channels uh hey I think Ficklick is so good, I'm giving it five stars, and everyone should listen. That's an example of a review that you could do. You're welcome. Um, If you're an AO3 user, you know how to leave comments. It's like the same thing. It's the same energy. Um, One other way, if you want to support the show, is you could always start a calling tree, like a phone tree, um, to spread the word. So just a bonus tip for you. So for our next episode, we are back to our monthly themes uh, in the same vein as Dune June. Well, only in the same vein in that uh, it is another themed episode. Uh, We'll get more into what that theme is next time, um, which you can look forward to that episode coming out on July 8th. And the fic that I will be bringing is On This Night and In This Light by Astrid Fisher. It is for Fire Emblem, Three Houses... And what a surprise, the pairing is in fact Felix Sylvain.
Nick, what are you bringing? My fic for this episode is Swede Juris by AO3 user Impertinence. It is for the fandom The Queen's Thief, the book series by Megan Whalen Turner, and the relationship is Costas slash Comet. Brenna, what's yours? Okay, my fic for next episode is Four Days in Lonling by Halo Tolerant. Uh, this is a fic for the Untamed slash MDZS. Uh, the pairing in this is Jung Chung, Ni Hoi Song. Um, the pairing is only a part of this story, though. It's really about a lot of other stuff that I'm excited to get into. Uh, so if you're not thrilled about that pairing, but still like MDZS fic, I think this is a fun one. I mean, you do have to like those characters. I don't think you necessarily have to like them together. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I am excited to discuss this. Okay, ficlets, uh, I'm going to go board a train and see where it takes me. Hopefully somewhere nice. Bye! Ficklets, I keep getting credited on movies that never existed. I have to go check my IMDb immediately. Bye! Ficklets, I'm probably not going to go get married in Virginia, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> but if I do, I'll let you know. Bye! Bye! <laughs>